Hello, this is Black Chick Lit. I'm Danny. And I'm Molly. And this week we are doing sci-fi. We read Binti and Binti colon home. And it was really good. Mm-hmm. I do want to say, so like we've had this habit where we've talked about politics a little bit. And can I say that, so Molly mentioned Steven Universe last week, and mm-hmm. we talked about Beyonce, and I am in a much better headspace this week than I was last week, because I have done nothing but listen to Formation and watch Steven Universe episodes. See, I'm going to have to take a page out of your book, because I was reading a story about a homeless grandpa, oh, and no. I like had a mental breakdown like oh. reading about this homeless grandpa because I was like do 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 and it was like homeless grandpa and I was like up just uh in a pile of I guess she can't be in a pile of tears in a puddle of tears and my boyfriend was like are you okay I was like but the homeless grandpa so yeah. I think more Beyonce and Steven Universe yes. is <laughs> yeah I was a wreck last time recorded that was about two weeks ago and that was when we were like things were calamitous like it was catastrophe and now things are down to like disastrous so it's still bad mm-hmm. but we're sort of reeling it in trump has learned what courts are <laughs> <laughs> he yelled at one that he would see him in court which yeah, it's like yeah they're like yeah, yeah that's, that's where we hang <laughs> <laughs> and so things have calmed down so yeah i've watched a lot of that and i think that's fitting considering what we read because I feel like if you crossed Beyonce with Steven Universe. You would get Benty. You would get Benty. <laughs> and add some um, uh, the Flawless video with the Chisholm Amanda. Like oh, be, yeah. Yeah. So it'd be perfect. Perfect Benty. So, so let's get into it. Have you had a good week otherwise? Like, than the sad grandpa? <laughs> yeah, after a sad grandpa. Um... We went out for um, French fries and stuff, so that made me feel better. And then I went out to um, see my parents in Washington State, which was a lot of fun. And I got to, um, uh, my mom had a lot of books laid out, like very artfully in different places around the house. So I was taking pictures of those for Instagram. And she um, wanted me to take a picture of several of her books. And she said, uh, what was her exact words? Like, uh, uh oh, you like taking pictures of books. So she was like, take a picture of this one, take a picture of that one. So <laughs> we're going to see a lot of... Um, um, <laughs> of Mama Molly's books? Of Mama Molly's books. She did have um, I'm Judging You, like <gasps> next to this really like beautiful lamp in her living room. So I took a picture of that. So when you see those, um, <laughs> there are a lot of really smart books. Um, she teaches critical race theory. So it's a lot of... Uh, a lot of uh, essays and stuff, so you'll know that those were inspired by my mother. She may need to like sort mother guest speak. Probably she might. She might. She sat down. She was like, "Show me how to subscribe." So this might be Aww. the the second one that she listens to. Hi. <laughs> yeah, my mother still has. I think she listened to one. Like, yeah, oh, that was enough. <laughs> I I met Jordy. Oh <gasps> right! You rep, you met LeVar, Reading Rainbow. I met oh, Lavar Burton. Yeah, Reading Rainbow. I work at a university, and he came to the university, and I was so like my job for the university is like to take photos and write stuff, and I was like, I'm covering that. And the kids were sweet, and they're like, Do you want to meet him? And I was like, Hell yeah, I do. So he signed my Reading Rain- Rainbow Kickstarter bag. Aww. It was great. So yeah, I'm in a much better headspace this week than I was last week. Last week was last week was bad. Yeah. 
So, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, it was. But you know what? We persist. And we will continue. Like, what's the... She persisted. We'll just continue. Yeah. So. Oh, my God. How dumb was that? You say this awesome quote to, like, silence this one. And it's like, you're just... You're literally giving her the name of her... Now, that's I like say the, biopic. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, that is the soundbite from the... That's the villain soundbite in the trailer right. that is the, in the trailer. Of 2017. Yes. Yeah. That like right before the drop where the music comes in and you see <laughs> marching and shit. Yeah, I was like, way to go, bud. Good job. Really put a lot of thought into that one. Evil animated turtle. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm really mad. Like uh let's not get back. I was in a good headspace, so we're gonna go back to that. Okay. So, okay, yeah. so we're gonna get back to Benti. Yes. So we read Benti and Benti Colin Home. They are two little two novellas. I don't want to condescend them by calling them little. But they're two novellas, pretty short. That's why we did both of them. I think they were both under one of them. I think like under one hundred and fifty. One was ninety. One was one sixty. Yes. So yeah, they were pretty quick reads, and they have very pretty covers. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I love the covers. Um, and they are by Nettie Okafor. I Googled and watched some YouTube videos to make sure I could say her name correctly because I feel that's important. Mm-hmm. Binti was released September 22nd, 2015, and Binti colon home. Ooh, we can just call that one home. home I think was, so. Yeah. <laughs> home was released like less than two weeks ago, the 31st mm-hmm. of January. So, and they seem to be doing well. People love them when I check out on Goodreads and on the chat or on Twitter. So we're going to sort of talk about it and get into them. Um, I do want to sort of talk a little bit more about the author first. So Nettie was born in the United States to Nigerian immigrant parents. And her thing is sort of weaving African culture into the settings and the characters of her work. She has written numerous books for children, young adults, and adults. Along with the Binti series, there is um, a book called Who Fears Death? And a young adult series called Akata Witch. Who Fears Death and Akata Witch are both option to be turned into films. I don't know oh. if that necessarily means they will be films. I think it means somebody has bought the rights. To turn okay. Them. Yeah. And Binti had won both the Nebula and the Hugo Awards. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool. And Molly touched on this last week. And I think I, she feels like telling the story again. <laughs> um, there was some, there a little minor controversy at the Hugo Awards. Because Hugo are fan, fan picked or like, they're like the American Choice Awards, whereas mm-hmm. the Nebula is picked by other other writers. So it's like the Oscars versus the American Choice Awards. Right. So there was a little controversy at the Hugo, and there was a bunch of, I guess, cis white men who felt that there were just too many brown people and too many women getting all up and in their sci-fi. Too many gays and too many this and too many that. Getting in their science fiction. Mm-hmm. And they tried to, like, what, crowd vote? Like, they tried to like crowdsource someone uh-huh. else to win, but she ended up winning anyway. Right. That's pretty um, weird. Yeah, and there was this whole big controversy um, going back and forth. I think the group of, um, I don't know what you would call them. I don't really, I know that they call us snowflakes because they're so precious. And, I am. Um, easily fragile. <laughs> but, you know, snowflakes are beautiful, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> But there's not really a word that I've heard so far for this kind of alt-right, trollish, you know, group that we've been seeing getting more and more vocal 
um, but they they kind of belong in this in this world. And it was um, the sad puppies, I think, because they initially positioned themselves as being like um, just concerned about the quality. You know, that's kind of an argument that gets made over and over again. I'm concerned about the ethics of video game journalism. I'm concerned about the quality of the science fiction you know, you go picks, um, because I think that, you know, there is this stigma, um, that, uh, people of color, minorities face when they are successful, that only, you only reach this because of affirmative action or because of quotas or right, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, just having read Bentino, um, I can say that's a thousand percent not the case. This book was so good and it deserved every accolade that it got yeah and i think it's like what you said from they the pc thing it's like they only Mm -hmm. got this Mm -hmm. because they are pc and fit into the politically correct culture and not because of the quality which is a bit you know presumptuous right uh, at best insulting at worst um she did Nettie did have a response to the issue she posted a blog I guess she was not able to go to the actual awards ceremony, so she sort of posted some Q&A she had received about it. Um, and so her answer to the whole, I've heard sad puppies, I've seen rabid puppies, the puppy thing. And she said, it's unfortunate, but nothing I haven't seen before. When I was playing semi-pro tennis, which that's, side note, she played semi-pro <laughs> tennis, I saw behavior like this affect the draw for tournaments my two sisters and I played in. Usually my sisters and I were the only people of color in these tournaments. Officials will manipulate things from within because they didn't like the presence of three black girls who were beating everyone and collecting all the trophies. It didn't work back then, and it's not working now. There are better ways to voice one's concerns and opinions, and there are better concerns and opinions, but that's besides the point. And so, yeah, I think that sort of goes beyond, that's everywhere. That's a universal thing. She saw it in tennis. It reminds me of the story I read where, with standardized testing, because Mm -hmm. girls started testing better than boys on mathematics, they made the math harder so that the girls underperform the boys again. I read that, um, I did a semester, like just a semester of um, Masters of Education, and that was one of the things they had discussed. And I thought that was just interesting where we're so used to like male being the norm that when women mm-hmm. perform better, it's seen as wrong. So that's interesting. And I feel like of all things, of all genres, sci-fi, like there's no reason for sci-fi to be the winner, like not to be the winner. Right. Like, Right. Like, uh, when I think of sci-fi, like the sci-fi of my childhood, um, you know, like, uh, I think mostly in TV and movies, um, like the old black and white movies like Them or um, Twilight Zone, things of that nature, they were more inclusive. And it seemed like, you know, science fiction is speculative. It's imagining what the future is going to be like. And those futures, not all of the time, certainly, but in the ones that I liked, seem to be free of, like, this racism and bigotry. Like, you know, we're moving toward a better life and that, or a better world, and that world does not include prejudice. Right. And then, so my background is, like, really heavily Star Trek. And it's like, you live in a universe or a, a setting where, like, humans aren't even the only species around anymore. So are you going to draw lines based? Do you think we're really going to continue judging based on like the color of skin when there are people who who have multiple genders, when there are people who are 10 feet tall, when there are people who aren't even humanoid? So I just, 
it doesn't make sense of all things for sci-fi to be so like if any there should be any playing field it should be speculative fiction in the future i know people make a lot of excuses for historical fiction why there are not a many not as many stories about people of color but like then it should be completely opposite in sci-fi because it can be anything you really want to picture it to be right so Oh, I really love sci-fi. I don't like super hard sci-fi, but I like the soft, speculative stuff. So we're going to get into the plot synopsis. And I think... Before we get into the plot, and I wanted to say this up top, but I completely forgot. (laughs) Um, And you know what? Um, uh, I just really feel like we flowed very well last week, so more flowy flowy but i just want to give a shout out to morgan parker for oh yes oh my god she's been so wonderful retweeting us like interacting with us i think she said like in response to our last episode like she wrote it for us she's just been so such a sweetheart so i just want to say in addition to being like a great poet who made me cry like she also like it seems pretty cool. So she I just seemed, wanted yeah. to thank her for that. And I think she seemed pretty excited that we were talking about like promoting poetry. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm sure, as we learned last week, it needs all the help <laughs> it can get. Right. <laughs> all right. So, yes. And we're going to hopefully reach out to Nettie Okafor. She seems pretty active on Twitter. Yeah. She's liked a couple things. So everybody yeah. go follow her because... Uh, she has a very interesting... I don't know. She posted a big bug. <laughs> Did you see that? No. She posted, like, a big grasshopper or something, and she's, like, made made its way into one of the stories, and I'm hoping it's not been T3 because bugs, like, disturb me so deeply. And I was like, oh, It was, like, as big as her forehead. I was like, oh. <laughs> I've come to peace with some insects. Oh, my but, God. Uh, like, I find I don't mind spiders because if you see spiders in your house, you tend not to see anything else because oh. they, they eat everything else (laughs) we'll move on this got we got off topic we'll move on from the bun but um so okay so i think it'll be easier if we just do the plot synopsis for both and then discuss them sort of as one universe one one series one thing all together as opposed to doing the first book and then doing the second book because i'm sure we'll want to like reference to everything right so i'm going to try and sum up well, like, just a heads up, there are a lot of words that exist only in these books. And I will do my best to pronounce them, but I read these, and I'm sure we all know that thing where there's a word where you're not 100% sure of the pronunciation, so in your head you just, like... It's just like... Da-da. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're asked to say it out loud, and you realize that doesn't really work. So, we will do our, we will do our best. So, when we first meet Binti... A teenage Himba girl, she is running away from home to attend Umza Uni, a university planet where no one from her tribe has ever studied before. However, her trip is marred when everyone on her ship, save for her and the pilot, are killed by Meduse, by the Meduse, a jellyfish-like species that have been at war with a group of humans known as the Hoosh. Binti is protected by her Eden, a small personal treasure that she doesn't know the true purpose of. Hold up in her quarters, she begins making conversation with the Meduse, specifically one known as Oku. When they finally make it, she, as she's speaking with them, she learns that the stinger of a former Medusa chief is kept at the university, which is seen as a dishonorable insult by them. She agrees to help them retrieve their stinger and brokers a peace, a peace between them and the and them and the population at Uni at Umza University. During this this transfer and this 
peace talks, she is stung by one of the deuce, which gives her, which turns her hair into Medusa-like tentacles. She then stays at the university along with Okwu, one of the Medusa she had begun speaking with, where they begin their studies at the university. I would like to say this before we go on to the next book. I was really hoping that we would really get into their experiences at the university. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that laugh was very... Um, I liked what we did read, but like that's what really got me excited. It was like the idea of like these two outsiders, like he who has been at war with like all of them and she who has never left home, like the idea that we would get to see their experiences on this university sounded really neat. So that was my thing. Because I think we yeah. said she was really good at world building. Definitely. And I kind of wonder if um, we spent so much time uh, with her and she immediately went home because Nettie has this focus on um, African, um, Nambian, uh, Nigerian centric um, uh, kind of lore mm-hmm. that she said, okay, well, you know, there have been fantasy stories in uni- in um, universities and boarding schools, but I want to bring it back to, you know, her her core focus of this um, of this like Afrofuturism. So if she's away from all of her people, if she's the only one there, then maybe she couldn't explore that as well. That's and it would have been a fish. Yeah, yeah, because I I totally thought it was going one way. Like I was like, oh, you know, she's getting like this Jello stuff, and she sees a cute boy, and oh yeah, you know, she's made friends. I was like, okay, I see where this is going, and then boom, everyone dies, and like a jellyfish is there, and it's like. I am your new friend. And I was like, this took a turn. <laughs> was not expecting that. <laughs> was yeah. not expecting. And Danielle is right when they um, skip forward the year. Um, at, at, were you at that part or am I jumping forward? I was going to read. So that's what, that's what happens at home. Right. So, and I can go ahead and read that. So after a year at Umza um, Uni, I keep wanting to say Uzma, but it's Umza Uni. <laughs> She decides to travel home for her pilgrimage. And and it's described that this pilgrimage is something that all women and girls do to become, like, I guess, official. It sounds like a coming of age thing, like you're an official adult woman in the tribe. When she is at home, she receives the full brunt of her family's disappointment in her decision to leave home. Her father, she learns that her father is gotten weaker, his health has decreased, and her sister is very, very angrily expresses her disapproval of her decision to leave. One night, after seeing, um, a figment known as the Night Masquerade, which we are told is only seen by men of the tribe. She is taken out into the desert by a group called the Ini Denaria. She learns how to use a communication tool deep that's embedded deep within her DNA that was given to her ancestors centuries ago. Um, she, at the end of the book, she learns that her family and Oku have been attacked by Kush soldiers, and she leaves the Denaria to head home and help her family. That's my cat in the background. I apologize. <laughs> Um, so this one, I feel like moved, a, it was longer and moved slower. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like we got less done and that's not a bad thing. But I just, it was an observation. This one got, as I was writing the synopsis, I was like, we got less done in a longer number of pages, probably because it took more time to deal with her emotions. Yeah. In the first one, we don't deal with a lot of emotions. It's implied in the second one, she has like PTSD following her experience on the ship with all the murder. <laughs> 
and she has to deal with like realizing that she is truly an outsider now among her own people because she left home, which is something right. the Himba do not do. Right. So that's it. There is a third book coming out. Had I known this was a trilogy, we might have waited and read all of them because now there's a cliffhanger. Yeah. And it was like, it was Fishy. nice at the end of Binti, the first one, uh, yeah. to be like, okay, well, I have this other one right here. And then at this last one, and you know, she's like, oh, cool, I gotta save it and my family. I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't even know if she's alive because we she don't. tries to reach out. I think after getting stung by the Medusa, she's sort of connected to them psychically she tries to reach out to communicate with him and he does not answer right so yeah it was i was like ah but this is good we can we'll have a chance to come back and do a follow-up episode so we'll have to do that but um i think i just want to say overall i love she did a really great job of i've already touched on this but i just want to go in detail of building a world like she sort of this is what i was talking about when i said speculative fiction should be open to everything she has a world where there's different traveling accommodations and you're on a bus and there are certain areas you can't go because maybe you can't breathe the air there. Right. Or there's certain, it's built a certain way for pe- for species of a certain size. And like she describes that even just in passing and it just feels very inclusive and very, it makes it seem that much larger. Like we have this big universe with all these species who look in ways I probably can't even imagine. And we've somehow come together and coped to deal with all of them. I got to let this cat out one second. <laughs> but yeah, so I think she did a great job from, I'm just going to pick up where I was. Um, sure. It makes the universe seem that much bigger. I loved, I loved the idea of the ship was a living creature. Yes. Third fish. I that- loved all of the kind of, um, I guess it was biotech or like mm-hmm. this, this hybrid of um, biology and technology. Like I could have read, probably three more chapters on the third fish and mm-hmm. how it function. And also at the end when she has the um, gold people um, uh, activate. Can, yeah. Yes. That kind of, um, again, this hybrid of technology and biology. Like I found that very interesting. It kind of reminded me of, and I don't, I don't think you play video games. So no. <laughs> For the nerdy out there, it kind of reminded me of Mass Effect. Um, oh, but I know that one. Yeah, because that's a lot of, um, you know, there's this group of aliens and they um, create um, synthetic life and then that life gains um, consciousness and they kind of have to decide, like, do those robots get their own freedom and all this stuff. And the ending, spoiler alert, but you probably know if you know what Mass Effect is, is terrible, but there's like... <laughs> a good ending all these video games have a good ending and a bad ending and an ending that says you didn't try hard enough so go back and the good ending is everyone becomes kind of a a mixture of um synthetic and organic and um it it just really reminded me of of the um her paternal grandmother's people and how they were like oh you think that we're all out here like living in caves and being all uh, I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, uh, they look down. Her people they look, look down. down on on the the. I'm gonna call them desert people because no one wants to hear me struggle to say Inaria <laughs> multiple times. Inizinaria, yeah, Aria. Inizinaria. So maybe I can't say it. But yeah, like the Himba people look down on them as primitive 
Right, and primitive, but the they neurological. were so much more advanced. Yeah, because yeah. they're waving their arms around, but really, like, their eyes are, like, computer screens, and they can, like, manipulate. It, I, it was very cool. It's kind of hard to describe as eloquently as N- Nettie does. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, I just thought that was, in addition to what you were saying about the world building, just, like, the, the little things mm-hmm. and how the technology didn't always work very well. Like our transporter kept breaking down and Mm -hmm. um, everything seemed to have like a real weight to it and a real, like I could picture it in my mind, like uh, the places she was, she was and the tech she was using was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It reminded me of, so I don't do video games, but it reminded me of Saga. If you've read Mm -hmm. that, the graphic novel and like, cause they had a lot of comic book. Comic book. It's a comic book. (laughs) Is that a thing? Did I just touch on a thing? For me, it is. (laughs) For no one else, probably. But I feel like some people get all bougie. It's like, I don't read comics. I only read graphic novels like Saga. (laughs) It's like, Saga comes out monthly, and I pay a dollar to get it, two dollars to get it each month. It's a comic comic book. book. Like, stop being so bougie. Not you. Not you. (laughs) But you know the type who are like, I I would never read a comic book. And I was like, but it's a comic. (laughs) <laughs> yes. So Saga, the comic book, where there's similar technology, like the family travels around in this rocket ship that's actually a tree that they find on a planet that's full of rocket ships that are actually trees. And so it's just, it's really neat. And so right. I really loved that. Um, it is very similar to Saga with... Um, in the family? Kind of the, yeah, the, the family. family. Emphasis on yeah, I, um, a space opera story, because a lot of Binti actually does take place place in space Mm -hmm. focused on a family with um like um exploring diversity Mm -hmm. um in this kind of speculative way because there are a lot of aliens around like you said they're they're built into the world organically and i think both these both these pieces do that very well yeah i'm probably gonna go back and start reading that again because we talked about it Uh, don't it's gonna break your heart (laughs) This last one, I put it down, and I was like... I'm on book five. I'm a little behind. I need to catch up. (laughs) But, uh... Yeah, I really want to talk about, since we're on it, I want to talk about her family. And Mm -hmm. so it's... In the very beginning, she leaves, and she doesn't tell anyone. And she knows sort of that... That it's going to upset everyone. And then when she does come back, I think she's sort of surprised by how upset they are. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think she was expecting her. She has a best friend named Dele who pretty much sort of freezes her out because he's more right. traditional compared to her. Right. And she, it, she has a sort of a mini breakdown meaning the book when she realizes she, no man will have her in the Himba. No men will have her. She is an outsider. She's basically on her own. And she hasn't told her family she's going back to the university. She comes home for the pilgrimage, but she had had plans to go back to resume her studies. And so when she gets these, when she gets the, the tool activated by the Ini Zenararia that makes her like them, does the hand, makes her do the hand wavy thing so that she can control the communication tool in front of her, she says it's just another thing that's going to put distance between her and her family. Right. Which is kind of a, kind of a heartbreaking thing. There's a lot of like what you're, there's a lot of duty versus wants yeah. in this book. Yeah, it was very interesting to see that in um, in a sci-fi fantasy book because I think in a lot of the things that, you know, I've read, 
as a kid that I've read before, it's kind of like the hero goes out and they do all these things and it's awesome, awesome. And everyone's like, yes, go, go, go. Like I think of Harry Potter and they're like, mm-hmm. like no one ever told Harry, like, you can't do that because no one will want to marry you if you're a wizard. But it definitely <laughs> takes into account like these traditional, more traditional gender roles and the cultures that she was building from. Um, you know, you mentioned her friend who it kind of seemed like she was being set up to marry him and then take mm-hmm. over for the father. Um, mm-hmm. But she went to do things that made her personally better, but then also are going to harm her family because of this traditional structure. But interestingly enough, they said that one of the reasons they were mad at her was because they were asking some of the younger girls what they wanted to do. And the younger girls yeah. were saying, now I want to study. I want to go to a university. And that kind of upset, you know, this balance of, of gender roles in their society. Mm-hmm. Even with the, uh, with her, her grandmother's people, um, uh, you know, it takes her farther away from her, from her Himba family, but it makes her like physically, mentally better to do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if we ever explicitly stated in this episode the um any Zenaria, her father is from that tribe of people. Right. He married a Hemba woman, but he hid that fact. And they sort of touched that whenever people leave, they hide that because they're ashamed of it. Right, because they're darker skin, they mm-hmm. have kinky hair, whereas the Hemba people are kind of medium complexion. Mm-hmm. And um the women cover themselves in the the mud that I'm gonna mispronounce. I do want to say something that um, you sort of touched on. I think you touched on like duty versus traditional wants and how that is a thing that comes up a lot in the books. But I like how this book doesn't necessarily um, look down or think negatively of duty. Right. Like, I don't know why. So this is another, there's always a Disney movie that is going to come from this. Have you seen Moana yet? I have not. So Moana has a similar thing where she has her family duty. So she's supposed to father her father as leader of the, tribe like be a chief and then there's her own wants and desires she wants to become like a voyager and a traveler and so she sort of resigns she does the opposite well eventually she does what Binti does but she sort of does the opposite where she like finds happiness in doing her duty and it said like yeah you don't always necessarily get what you want but you can still find like there is good in the tradition and in and doing what's good for the family and I feel like that's sort of the same thing in Binti. Like, it's you hear why it's good for them, for why why they've lasted so long is because they have stuck together and worked together, and done what is good for the whole as opposed to the individual. Even though it does go against what Binti wants specifically, it's not like they're saying all these things or doing these things just to make her unhappy. Even with, I mean, I think that you could argue against the strict gender roles, but there is a purpose to all the tradition, and to all the. And why they hold on to them. And the book doesn't. Because I feel like other stories would do that. Yeah. Something like Aladdin. Like, why am I, why am I stuck on Disney? But, um, <laughs> something like Aladdin where it's like when the character wants to break free from the traditions, they're denounced as like stuffy. And we need to get rid of them. And they have no purpose. And they're just sort of like talked down to. Whereas here, it's like they have a purpose and they're important. They're just not what she wants. Right. I, I hope have... that made sense. No, no. It, <laughs> made, it actually made me think of two things. Um the first specific to Disney and why you might be thinking about so much, uh, them so much is there was this article and I can't remember, but I'm sure we can pull it up later, Mm -hmm. um, about Pixar specifically 
and how a lot of those Pixar movies are about the virtue of work. Have you seen that? No, that sounds interesting. Yeah, like the virtue of fitting in, the virtue of doing your job and doing it well. And they aren't really telling kids to break out of a mold. Like so many of them, you know, Monsters Inc., they're at work. Uh, Inside, what is it? Inside inside out. out, they're at work, you know. Uh, Toy Story, the toys are kind of, it's like a job for them. And whenever they kind of deviate and go outside of their duty, what they're supposed to do within this society, that's when things start breaking down. And the happy ending is when people come back and they change the nature of the job a little bit. So it's more, you know, whatever, like Mm -hmm. more emotionally stable, whatever it is. But they're still they're still doing work like they're still like duty is a virtue in a lot of those movies which I always thought was kind of interesting because it's not the typical thing you hear, um, especially for kids, um, you know, uh, stories. Right. Um, The second thing, bringing it back to Benti, which I kind of liked was, um, you are right, like they're not, um, they're not looking down at, uh, you know, her culture or anyone else when they're talking about these things, um, especially like uh, rolling the mud into her hair, or the um, gender roles, but they are still, she is still critical of them. Like she's still thinking about and questioning like their merit. Like when they go and they wash all the mud off the girls and they're like looking at their skin and they're so amazed that their skin is like, you know, brown and their hair is black and they can like see every part of themselves. And they're like, oh, but girls can't do that. Mm -hmm. And then um, she starts saying, I think there's a line in, Maybe the first one, maybe the second one, where she makes some new, some new, a new mask from the clay on her, um, on, on what is it, Umzayuni? Mm-hmm. Um, and she said that this place was changing her and she would have to be changed too. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely not saying these things are bad and this is so regressive, but it's also not saying like, uh, this culture is without fault and it's just primitive. That's just the way they are. They won't ever evolve, which I thought was, was like an awesome take, like to position yourself there in that particular culture without exoticizing it or patronizing it and really, really examining it. Yeah. And I thought that was a nice moment where she's on the university and it's not the clay of the, earth where she's from which is what i believe the whole point of doing it is but it's still where she is and it's what she has available so she will continue it she'll just make it the best of her ability while she's on that planet see and i took that totally different i took that as like kind of an act of desperation oh really yeah i have to let me go find it continue because i like your oh no um because you know she um, before she even leaves in the first chapter, I think she touches the ground. Like it grounds her, it 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 um, holds her to and her people to a place, not mm-hmm. any place, not like a, you know home is where you make it. Very specifically, their village, their town at the edge of the lake where they live, and I think that that brings her anxiety because she's so far away from that actual physical place. Um, that she's doing, she's searching so desperately for this um, replacement, but she's kind of afraid that it's not going to work. To it, it isn't have it doesn't have its 
kind of um, spiritual properties. It's healing properties. We find out that it does heal Oku, I think, a mm-hmm. little bit. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's, you know, I don't know that it was 100. I, I do like what you're saying. Like, uh, you know, she is where she is and she's able to carry on her traditions, which I think is one read. And then another read is that she's so far removed from what this what this tradition even symbolizes does it even make sense anymore yeah hmm i yeah i sort of like the whole i liked every time that she does that a lot she messes with her oh jizzy is oh jizz i'm i don't remember you notice i have not said it (laughs) (laughs) i can read it and pronounce it right in my head like i feel like i'm Thinking oh, it right. Oh, it's O T J I Z E. So, yeah. O-J-Z, but I feel like if I mispronounce it, it can go bad very, very yeah. quickly. So, but I do like whenever they describe how she puts it on, like it's the ritual. It's just a very nice, you get how important it is to her and to the people. Like, did you talk about the scene where they, you did touch about like how they all wash themselves and like immediately right. felt it was very taboo and very, if anyone had seen them, they could have been ostracized for it. So. Right. But it's like, was that, was she saying that was bad or was she saying like that was something she wishes were different about the place that she came? Like, it's kind of like a comfort, you know, when Mm -hmm. she gets very nervous, especially in the first book, she's putting it back in her hair. She kind of uses the smell of it to calm her down. Mm -hmm. But when her grandma's people come in, they aren't using it at all. And she's like in awe of that, like, Oh shit. Like, look at this tall lady like coming in here. And she says that, um, I think it's it's said that women, and maybe this is the crux of um, the dilemma with it, or her um, ambivalence toward it, that the men in their, in their culture don't wear this mask. Um, mm-hmm. They can kind of put it on sometimes, but it's totally optional. And if the women are seen without it, even to their own daughters, they're seen as crazy. Yeah. So I think that she might be more questioning, like, it, it's a ritualistic thing, it's a traditional thing that brings her comfort, but I think maybe the the implication that if you don't do it, if you don't conform, is kind of at the back of her mind, like, do I like this? Do I not want to do this anymore? That's do I not like- want to be made to do it? Yeah, that's interesting, because I guess when I had read it, that was the one thing that she seemed to, like, even after after her hair changed to the Medusa tentacles, mm-hmm. and after everything that happened, it seemed like that was the one thing that still sort of made her himba, even though she had right. left home and done all these other things, it seemed like she sort of held on to that because it was all, not that all she had, but it was the one, it was the one thing she could still do that made her feel part of her people. Right. So that's interesting. Yeah, I, and the rapper, and it seems like, cause she does a lot, of, when the second book, when she comes home, she does a lot of things that adds distance between her. She wears blue mm-hmm. to dinner, and I guess they stick to colors of like red and orange. And so it's just interesting. What did you think of the family scene where basically her sister comes and just, Tells her how big a disappointment she is. First of all, her sister was a bitch. But I <laughs> I kind of get it because they see the father deteriorating because mm-hmm. he now has to work harder. He thought he was going to retire. 
live the good life, you know, because his daughter is so brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. Which, I mean, she's still, I don't know why she couldn't still do that. I don't um, even, I don't know why she couldn't go to university and then come and back. And then come unless- back, because it kind of seemed like she wanted to at some point. Yeah. Um, but unless they were putting that distance on their end as well, saying, well, you are two other now. We're uncomfortable with your presence here. I like the scenes between her and her mother, um, mm-hmm. where the mom's like very comforting, but then also at the same time kind of reinforcing some of these ideas um, and kind of can't see where she's coming from um, because I think that that's a real issue that um you know parents and children face when the children go off and do something that the parents can't understand um the sister her second oldest sister one of her older sisters not the oldest because oldest was more mellow about it um like got right on her face yeah Yeah. it was like her name was vera vera yeah Yeah. and then there is another sister who i think is he, uh, I don't know what I'm mispronouncing. It's like, I'm flipping through. Sorry. I have a lot of bookmarks. And I've got, like, but yeah, the second eldest sister is Vera. And she's the one who is just, it's implied that they sort of disagree a lot. And she's the one who really lets Binti have it. Right. Which I understand the frustration that she was feeling, but it's like, come on, at the party? I like that the whole time Oku was like out in its tent, like just chilling. Chilling, like yep. it's like that didn't go well, huh? It's just like floating around. It's like tent. He has a line that makes me really happy. It's like he came. He basically came on this trip just to like make all the other hum- like put the humans on edge. Like yeah, they I say will that, say, yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah, they say that like no other Medusa has come to the planet um, peacefully. It's Ever. always been as an act of war. Yeah, and so like he's like you know Medusa love making war, especially when they're not allowed to make war, and like he knows the effect he's having on people, and he's just like he seems to just be cracking up at them, like at their discomfort and at their at the scene he's sort of causing. Right now, I will point out because it's something that you pointed out with me when we were talking about Steven Universe earlier <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, they don't use any gendered pronouns for Oku. That's right. They call it's him always it. it. But I always, in my mind, I was thinking of Oku as male. I think because of that first time when she says there's a more female voice and it's someone else mm-hmm. than Oku. But I did notice. I thought it was interesting that she obviously has some kind of connection. I don't know if it's a romantic connection. It certainly seems like it, but a very deep connection to Oakwoo mm-hmm. and Oakwoo is non-gendered, which and, I thought was interesting. And it surprised me they went with it instead of like maybe them. Yeah. Because it feels like you wouldn't, I guess I was about to say like it doesn't humanize him, but he's not human, but it's right. still like you use it for a non-living thing. Like Right. And it's very much alive, but it's so different Yes. Well, it was before her hair turned into tentacles, Parts, which I yeah. loved that her braids turned into tentacles because it's like, of course, the bra- like, I don't know if you've ever had like, um, uh, twist your braids or something <laughs> like with fake hair. It's like, what is this on my head? Oh my God. It's something else. It's so heavy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but it was, it's just so different that maybe that's why, or maybe if they use them, there would have been some confusion with like, a. yeah collective conscience what they kind of have yeah i don't know yeah the it kind of sounded because i'm like it feels weird to be calling this living talking thing an it right but they did want to he is very different i did it again 
It is very different. I just have a hard time using it for a for a living. Yeah. yeah. For for a character who felt so alive on the page, like yeah, Oku, I love this scene. I think we talked about this earlier, where Oku is fighting its teacher. Yes, see, that's what I really wanted more. I wanted, and I I do agree what you said about like going home, but I really would have loved to see to see the more two of, of that. them. Yeah, like yeah. their university antics. Binti yeah. and Oku, freshman yeah, she year. She runs like it, and she sees um, Oku like in some armor, and it's like Stinger is out, and the teacher has like a huge gun, gun. and they're about to like kill each other. And Binti's like always for us, being a strong character. She is often falling on the ground and crying. <laughs> <laughs> she said it was something like the Medusa like respect prostation. Is that yes. right? Yes, that's exactly what. <laughs> so I think it was funny. She's like she. Especially that the first, before she goes back home with Oak, where she's yeah. really always lying on the ground crying. So she's <laughs> on the ground crying, and then they kind of start laughing. And then the teacher's like, "You get the best marks." And Oak was well, like, "I don't." They don't really. They don't really laugh. The teacher's like, "If I ever see you again, when I'm not your teacher and you're not my student, one of us will die, and right. it won't be me." But then they do laugh at that. They oh, straight they? up laugh at it. Like they're like, "If I see you in these streets." <laughs> Your ass is grass. Your ass is grass. What does that girl say in that Dr. Phil girl? Cash me outside? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm going to need you to get up on your beams, Danielle. I, I know, like, you can catch these hands. I know that Catch one. these hands. Can I, can I say that um, we went out to a Japanese barbecue the other day, and the, our guy kept making meme jokes, and he made a joke about catch, cash me outside. And um, one of the dudes who was sitting across from us, like, thought it was serious. He's like, yeah, yeah, go outside, beat his ass. I was like, he's talking about a teen girl who was on a Dr. Phil show. I don't know how I missed that meme, because yeah, I'm usually... I'm, I know! Uh, you are I'm, up I'm to on date the internet on almost 24 hours a day because of my job, and it's like, I, I get all of them. I and know. One, I'm going to have to go Google. You are on memes. <laughs> it's my one... <laughs> My one, my one thing, my one superpower. It's a really sad one. I sort of want to talk about because if there was one thing I could relate to, it was how in the second book, Binti kept not like she would be filled with unexplained rage and she Aww. wouldn't know where it came from. Mm -hmm. And then I think it was her grandmother. Was it? It was some one of the, or maybe it was the um the, the boy they the, traveled with uh, when he who said like, well, you're part Medusa now. You just have to learn how to control it. But, like, when she doesn't know what's happening, like, because I felt like that multiple times throughout 2017, where I'd be, like, just angry at what was happening. But I thought it was interesting that her rage would come out of nowhere and she would treat and have to sort of talk herself down. Right. And I think it's interesting that it was the Medusa because it's, like, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting that she sort of got their personality along with yeah. the principles. So I wonder what that means. Like, who is she? Like, in terms of identity. Now she's part Medusa. She's part Himba. She's part Inyi Zenaria. Mm -hmm. She's part, you know, Umza Uni student. Yeah. She's, so she's all these different things. All these things with identity going on. Right. So I thought that was really neat. Yeah, and it was interesting, too, that her different personalities are starting to clash. Because at the yeah. Himba, she's known as a master harmonizer. Mm -hmm. um, so she can, through, like, math, she can... Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, math, 
math's not my thing, but I'm going to just trust that it's some kind of like equation. Yeah. So she kind of uses math as like this spiritual thing, but also kind of a magical thing. And Mm -hmm. through it, she's able to solve conflict and, um, Another character uses it to stop some wild dogs from attacking them. <laughs> and it's kind of cool that it it takes like um like this uh patience and this inner kind of peace to do that. But now she has this Medusa hairstyle that's making her angry all the time and making it harder for her to mm-hmm. access this other side of herself. Yeah. I will say that's the one thing I could not relate to. Math has never calmed me down. It usually never. just angers me. <laughs> when she was like, because she goes into like the stance and she breaks equations apart and she thinks about numbers. And I'm just like, oh, girl. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting anxiety just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So I want to talk about like, what do you think of like, neither one of us are African. So I really don't want to talk about all that stuff. But I think we can talk about like, a black female as mm-hmm. a protagonist in a sci-fi story and how kind of neat it is. Like even the things we can't relate to culturally, there's still some universal things. Like I think the hair is kind of a big one, mm-hmm. the hair and like the, the touches of colorism that are sort of in it are mm-hmm. a big one. Yeah. I don't think there's anything we may have missed. Maybe, maybe why I was so stuck up on the, um, the part where they were putting the clay on themselves and where they wash it off was because she washes it off and she sees her own dark brown skin underneath. Mm-hmm. And I, like, am all about lotion and, <laughs> like, having glowing skin. And I'm sure someone out there is with me. Like, when you just step out of the shower and, like, you put on, like, your uh, your cocoa butter spray and everything, you're, like, shining up. Like, for me, like, my skin is so much, like, a part of, like, how I perceive my looks. And I'm... I'm, I feel like a vain person when I say this, and I'm like, mm, my skin's looking good. Like, look mm-hmm. at it shining in the sun. That they covered it up, and then they were amazed to see their own skin. I was like, oh shit! Like that, like hit me, maybe in a way that it wouldn't. I don't know, like a white reader or someone who's so mm-hmm. used to seeing their own skin portrayed as pure, clean, or light skin as best or preferential or more beautiful um yeah that just kind of hit me where she was like oh my god my skin's popping you know yeah and i'm with you on the skin thing i've rediscovered like the cocoa butter vaseline Uh like the best of both Uh uh-huh and so yeah i that is a really good point because it is sort of like soothing to read and sort of you can relate to that and i don't know if maybe someone else who i feel like lotion is not as big with white people so maybe they just don't yeah ashy like (laughs) Unless you're wrong. <laughs> when, you I, see when I went to, um, I went to, uh, almost, uh, you know, probably 100% black, um, well, not 100%, like 90% black, 10% Latino middle school. And then I went to an all white private high school. And I remember, I remember Danielle, my first year, <laughs> I was ashy. I was walking down the halls and I was asking people, do you have any lotion? They were like, why would I have any lotion? Like someone said to me, like, why would I have lotion on me? And I was like, truly, I have (laughs) crossed into a different world. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's just like, yeah. I remember that 
I had, I remember that in high school, like I asked for one and like the white kids never had any, but you could always find some black girl who had like, and this was when Bath and Body was big. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like the lotion, the spray. The body butters. The body butters. Like you might even get some, uh, some soap to go wash your hands. You got to take care of that melanin. You got to. It takes care of you. You got to take <laughs> care of it. Uh, so what do we hope to see in the third one? I'm going to be cliche and say, I hope Oku doesn't die. <laughs> I hope Oku doesn't die either. I hope Oku and Binti get together. I don't care. <laughs> I was thinking she would get together. If she gets together. Okay, so she would either not get together at all to expound on that. I don't need a man. Like uh-huh. everyone's telling her but she won't get like one. But it seems like she wants... It, it does seem like, like she, she wants, wants that. One. So if she does want one, I want her to get with um, Menlia, I believe is how you uh, okay. the, the other, the boy who came, they made a point, she made a point of saying he was about her age. Right. Um, Menlia, who came with the desert people along with her grandmother to right. take away from the other, the their master harmonizer. Yeah. See, they're made for each other. I ship it. I no. I am I am totally here for Binti and Oku. I don't know what the combined name is. I really do like Oku, even though he might have stung her with his yeah. DNA. Yeah, <laughs> she has that moment better. where she doesn't know how many people he may have murdered on the ship. Yeah, and I'm like, does. ooh, that's a concern. <laughs> like, um, she's looking at her um, boo, um, Haru, yes. the first guy. And uh, she's like, I wonder if he killed, or if it killed uh, Haru. Haru, yeah. Oh, Haru, I forgot about him. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. was the one she was smiling at. at the yeah. Day. That's the death, he's the death who impacts her the most because he was sitting there and all of a sudden there was a bloom of blood on his chest. Right. When the stinger hit him. And that's when she realized what was happening. Right. Though I am a little bit confused about like the... T- like the amount of time she was on the ship because like she was like it's three days and she was like on the ground starving i was like yeah. did you bring a lot of food with you though so i don't know so, if like time was working differently or i'm not positive on time either it doesn't help that it's on a ship that is not anywhere with standard time right i think she was on the ship for like maybe two weeks at most and she took food from the dining hall and like stored like she sort of holed up in her in her room. Right. She sort of lived there. And, and I, I think, thought she was on the ship for three months and in the room for three days. Maybe. I, I have no idea. And, I'll go back and review. I sort of like lost all concept of time just because they weren't anywhere where there was any. Right. And like that, time would have been artificial anyway. Days would have been artificial at the very least. That could very well have been purposeful. Yeah. Like with her confusion about after the attack and then also being in space when she like at her core is not someone who's comfortable in space. Yeah. And she slept a lot. She did sleep a lot. So. So, yeah, that was uh, I I still remember reading that scene and be like, oh, okay, he's dead now. Poor Haru. At first I was very confused. I was like, what happened to Haru? And then everyone was dead. I was like, wait, why are there jellyfish everywhere? Then I went and looked at the other cover. I was like, oh. Got it. Got it. I feel like I could read this series like a few times and pick up. New things. Like, yeah. Like it might take me more than one reading to get everything. Same. Because it does take place in such an alien, like, because even the setting I have to be, be like, get acclimated to right so but still good but yes i hope oku survives um 
you're you're on the your team Oklu. I'm team Oklu. <laughs> Minwia, and so I I don't know. I just after the fight, I'm trying to figure out where it could go next. Like, I wonder if she'll go if she'll be like some kind of like harmonizer between the two tribes. If she's gonna go back to the university and maybe more people leave. So it'd be interesting to see where the story where it goes, goes from there. Yeah, because I don't know how long this um this third and final book will be. Yeah. Uh, they have like a lot of things to kind of resolve if that's going to be the end of it. Nettie, if you're listening to this, just write four books. <laughs> I know that's so presumptuous. Like I saw something, um, Roxanne Gay. I'm like all on everyone's Twitter now and I'm like <laughs> gossiping. Like it's people I know, but she was like, Oh, I'm so busy the next seven weeks. Did you see that? And some girl was like, will you come to her, to my, uh, uh, book club? On March 4th, and she was like, I just said I was busy. <laughs> she didn't say it quite that mean, but, um, you know, we always have to be respectful of other people's yes, times. People's time. But yeah. I'm just saying, you know, if down the line you're like, I wonder what I should write. I wonder if I should do another Binti book. I'd read it. I'll be here oh. for it. <laughs> she wanted to pull a J.K. Rowling where she just wrote, like, vignettes of, like, this is what happened four years after this. Right. And yeah, I'd do that. I mean, it's a big enough world that I feel like she could like dark tower this like uh, Stephen King did and had a whole spinoff where you wrote like 12 books about different characters. Like, yeah. And then we I can have like a, uh, what's his name voicing Oku. Um, <gasps> I just, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that feels fitting. Like Oku is described and his people are described as very honor bound, very like not, um, not like militaristic, not militaristic, but I guess old warrior society. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, be a good fit. Are we gonna fan cast the okay, so, movie? Well, but then I feel like Oku is much younger. He is, so he would have to be the chief. Yeah, the chief. Okay, it just can be Oku the chief. Oku could be John Boyega. Oku could be John Boyega. We um, need Benti. Benti. Benti would have to be somebody new. Yeah, someone young and new introducing. So, but if it had to be, I'm trying to think. I don't want to do Lupita just because she's like the only. That's true, but Lupita, and I know that there was a lot of controversy with um that new Star Wars movie because there were no um, CGI'd her to death. They did CGI her, and I am of two minds for this. And I think that the conclusion, I have a conclusion. So I know that a lot of people were saying that they were very angry that she was um, CGI'd, meaning that there wasn't really a black female presence or a female mm-hmm. presence of color in the in the movie, which is absolutely true. And then I see that um, she was saying, hey, it's my career. Voice acting is something I always wanted to do. And mm-hmm. there is money in that shit. Like there is money <laughs> in doing and doing uh, uh, motion capture. And I think that, you know, those two ideas, you know, I feel like, yes, I wish that she had been more representative, kind of like Garnet, and we're referencing Steven Universe so much, but you kind of get this sense, like, she has black features, like, she has an afro. She's coded as black. She is coded as black. Like, her tone is darker, um... So I wish that maybe they had done something like that with the character, but then mm-hmm. they had Jar Jar Binks. 
<laughs> so yeah. I think that, and I don't want to tell her what to do with her career and not to get money because, like, you know, get you got money. bills. I'm not going to come and pay <laughs> your bills. But I think that this all could have been solved if they had a more diverse cast in the first place. Like, yeah. if there were more female co- uh, actors of color. of color, then... And I think... Yeah. So I think it was also, like, it wasn't just because Lupita did it. It was, like, Lupita did it, and then Idris had a role that was similar, and then Zoe Saldana had a role where she... It was, like, you had all these roles where you had people of color in sci-fi, and they were all sort CG. of... CG. CGI'd and not black. Like, Zoe Saldana Zoe did it Saldana stays in some was, body paint. Yeah, she was blue in Avatar. She was green in Guardians of the Galaxy. So I think I agree. She like, was. It's not, she was. Mm, it's been almost every color of the rainbow. She was painted again for um, uh, oh, the singer uh, Nina, Nina Simone. <laughs> she was. Yeah, she was. I didn't even watch that. I, I am like, watch. I, don't, I, don't I am watch that bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think. So yeah, like isolated is fine, and I get what Lupita's saying. Like it is her career. I think it was just like industry let's be aware that we keep putting people of color in sci-fi movies right. and turning them another color right and then like, not having anyone else like if there was another black girl in star wars yeah i would have been like well you know they had yeah they had your girl in there too so lupita can do what she wants this other girl to do what she wants but no if it's all on one person yeah. then it's kind of like well why was she this little orange alien i don't understand exactly. yeah yeah it's so, like I could talk about Steven Universe all day, but I think Steven Universe did a really good job of, like you said, coding it. And like, they also show, I just wanted to take a time to just say how much I love Steven Universe. Steven Universe (laughs) has so many different representations in these inhuman aliens of like body types. Right. Of like skin and like, they're not, she's not explicitly black, but for, you know, an American audience, she reads as black. Right. And I think Amethyst reads also of color. I couldn't specifically say what, but she reads as of color too. And you have all these characters and you have, they're all women too. Right. And they're the women who are the heroes. And Steven is the only, the only male who really has any sort of power or impacts the black. He has his father, but his father is like, his father is interesting. See, I me, Frank, okay, I was just telling Frank, my boyfriend, because we're watching this series again, because he hasn't seen it, and the second I turned it off, I was like, you must watch this show with me. Yeah. Uh, so he's very kindly watching it with me, and he is with you anti-Greg. I love Greg. I think I Greg's great. <laughs> I don't hate Greg. I don't get why he's there. If you haven't seen the show, Steven is sort of, it's really, have you ever tried explaining Steven Universe to people who haven't seen it? Never. You, you sound bonkers because there's so much knowledge you need to have about it. Steven, the main universe, is, he is half gym, half human. His mother had to give up her physical form for him to be brought to life. So he just has his father. And I guess at some point his father decided he was just not hip enough on all this gym stuff to raise him. So he goes and lives with like his gym aunts, Garnet, Amethyst, and Pearl in this house. And his dad like lives in a van. Yeah, nearby. And I say that with a with a question mark because I'm not actually sure if whether he may actually legitimately live in that van. I think he does live in the van. And so, <laughs> and so he's raised by these three gems who are genderless, but they um, appear and use feminine pronouns. And like 
that's how he like that's how he's learning to be stronger. That's who's teaching him to fight. That's who's he doesn't go to school. Yeah. Which I'm glad about. That's also why I don't like YA. I don't want to read about people going to school. I guess there is a comic series, a short run that they're gonna do where he goes to Connie's school. Oh, I won't read that one. I'm like, I'm sorry, kids. I don't want to read about your adventures in school. I already went through school and it was fun. You're done. You're at school now, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's night school. It doesn't really count. So, but yeah, I was thinking about, like, I was drawing the connections between, like, how perfect my Steven Universe thing picked up while we were reading Binti and all these worlds with all these rules. One, like, metal is a really big thing in Binti. And then in Steven Universe, it's the gems. So it's just, yeah, much better week this week. <laughs> That's so good. If we ever wanted to do a podcast where we watched episodes of Steven Universe and then discussed it, I mean, I'm here for I it. would, I would be into that. Maybe we will have some. Um, maybe sometime we will have some uh, off episodes, some bonus episodes, where we talk about yeah. that. I think I was uh, talking to, I was um, DMing you about how surprised I was that we've not mentioned the simpsons a lot <laughs> we haven't mentioned it as much as we should considering how much simpsons two of us have watched right it was like a bonding force how we like yeah, yeah so no it's disney and steven universe now because we're adults right <laughs> college student us talks simpsons right adult but us talks 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 this this children's show yeah that's really calming for like 30 year old me but yeah if that's a spinoff thing i mean let us know if let us know if thing. you want to hear because i got a lot of thoughts about rose court i don't trust her i i i'm here with you or pearl i like i, I like know. pearl pearl has tried to murder the main character numerous times she hasn't tried to through negligence <laughs> Okay, she has been in a situation where she would have been responsible for his death numerous times. There you go. And it's like, you know, my sympathy for you keeps, it's running a little dry. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm here for Amethyst, and I want my Jasper redemption arc. See, Jasper can go. It's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. I know that her and um, Lapis Lazuli are going to get together. Like, I don't know if that's, I didn't, I I I think somewhere else would be Greg. Greg. Someone read some quote-unquote leak that said that Greg was going to play a big role in Jasper's redemption. Greg. Jasper has to have a redemption because they made up, the creators made a point. I always get really meta about it. The storytellers made a point of showing how much she loathes herself. Like, yeah. Jasper hates herself because she came from Earth and she sees herself as weak and she sees herself without purpose. They can't just leave this. That's a terrible lesson to teach the kids. Right. They like, can't just leave this well, self-hater out here. Well, if you suck, then you could just go die. <laughs> exactly but, they can't just leave her out here they've got to redeem her and say like look at you do have they're gonna bring it back but they did that with bismuth kind of she didn't fit and they got rid of her now i know it was because they couldn't have uzo like on oh, yes. every episode like they should have because she has a job and she yeah. like does musicals and stuff but mm-hmm. i still kind of felt like bismuth got the short end of the stick on that. <laughs> that's that's the second time they've had a really neat character who is played by someone who's just too big to do a weekly children's television show. Who is the other? Sugalite. We're never going to see Sugalite again because that was yeah. voiced by Nicki Minaj. Yeah, we're never... Like, they have had her a couple times, but... I think it's reusing old old recordings. Yeah, old sounds. Like, she never yeah. has spoken again. Yeah. So, yeah, Uzo did Bismuth and Sugalite was Nicki Minaj. Yeah. Again, I love the fact that we have all these characters and they're, like, voiced... By like 
all these actors of color. Right. And can I say there was that, um, there have been two controversies um, in the last year about, um, I think it was that Kubo movie about the Japanese boy. Yes. And then there was um, Ghost in the Shell. And they both have um, their main cast, voice actors or actors, are white. And so they were like, uh, oh, well, especially for Kubo, they were like, oh, well, we just don't know of any, like, you know, we don't have big draws. We don't know of any Asian voice actors. And then I'm like, looking at the cast of Steven Universe, I was like, aren't they all Korean? They're like, like Steven Universe is, I think, except Steven. I can't think. Steven, Steven and, and Greg maybe the and only Greg. two. And is Connie voiced by? I thought Connie I is voiced by a white actress, I believe. Okay. Well, well, that I mean, the character is of color, so even yeah, there, the I was like, yeah, like uh, but yeah, Pearl, like all the crystal gems, like yeah. Look up some pictures of their cast. I was like, so you can't find any, and they didn't even say Japanese. They said any Asian, Asian. voice actors anywhere that are popular. I was like, hmm. Hmm. Uh, so I think that was a good discussion. We talked a lot about Binti and sci-fi and, you yeah, know, and how it the made diverse. us think of all these other connections. Because it yeah. does fit into... I had a, a classmate once. We were talking about... Uh, this was in college. Talking about the Harlem Renaissance. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I don't understand why they use the term Renaissance. And so I was like, what? He's like, I mean, like, if this is the first time, like, Blacks ever really had any art or culture, then I don't know how it could be a renaissance. And I think I, like, passed out because I don't remember the rest of that class. Like, I'm so, <laughs> Right. So how you said, like, this, like, there is a canon of diverse sci-fi. Yeah. Like, there always has been. Like, we're going to read um, Kindred next, mm-hmm. next time. But um, I think it's just strengthening and strengthening as we go along yeah so just keep reading it and keep consuming it and keep promoting it right all right so yeah so as molly touched on we are reading kindred specifically okay i'm gonna use that word again kindred the graphic novel that's the title Mm -hmm. you can't take Mm -hmm. that up with me but see it's (laughs) it is not a comic okay because it's not i might do a series on instagram to talk about how to buy comics and like what different books are like the difference between an issue or a paperback or a collected edition and because this is just going to be one story one off and then it's going to be done so i believe that graphic novel is the correct term there Okay. I'm just getting really bougie, and I know people like probably very heartily disagree with this, but I don't care. It's my podcast. <laughs> if you've listened to this this far and not figured out we're kind of bougie, then yeah, that's true. I had to get bougie I, in there once. I read comics. Like, what are they called when they come in the soft paperback? Because that's the only version I buy. I don't buy the monthly. Like I, I was uh, okay. uh, That's a trade paperback. Okay, because I was super late on Black Panther because I'm like. I'm not buying this monthly thing. I'm going to wait till the paperback comes out with the collected mm-hmm. issues. Mm-hmm. So there's only a couple that I do monthly. Um, just cause that gets expensive, but, yeah. uh, I'm trying to get every cover of the walking dead with Negan on it framed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually looking at several of them. I should put that up to you on the Instagram. Cause it's like, I have like this dude, eight places on my desk. So there's definitely an obsession going on there. That'd be interesting. 
But yeah, so we're doing Octavia Butler. I want to read the novel and do, like, this isn't expected. I think we can just read the graphic novel, but for purposes of we've got to talk on this podcast, I think it'd be good to read Kindred and then do the graphic novel. Have you read Kindred before? No, and I should have. There's okay. so many things I should have read that I have. Well, you read, you read lots of things. Yeah, I'm whacked, so. But um, I am currently reading, we can move on to that. I'm still reading The Case Against Sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, a fun thing I learned that during Prohibition, the United States had record sales of sugar because apparently <laughs> everyone was just like dropping their alcohol and we going need candy. Something. And apparently in lab studies, I'm just going to tell you things I learned from this book. Mm-hmm. In lab studies, when they have cocaine addicted rats, if mm-hmm. they give them a choice of more cocaine or sugar water, <laughs> they, they took that sugar water. The sugar water. <laughs> So yeah, the first chapter was sort of presenting sugar as like a mild addictive substance. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know what? You have made your case, first chapter. And then it got dark. Because <laughs> when cocaine addicted rats are like, give me that sugar. Like, give me that sugar. Maybe, maybe there's something there. So yes. So I'm going to be reading that in Kindred. I did read Forbidden too. I finished Forbidden finally. I know. <laughs> by Beverly Jenkins. Because she has another book coming out. I love Beverly Jenkins. She's very nice, but this story sort of disappointed me. I thought it'd be a bigger conflict. It's, oh. about a, it's about a black guy who passes as white, but then he falls in love with a visibly black woman. So he's got to make a decision whether or not to stop passing and be socially recognized as black or to keep passing and continue using his like prestige and status to help black people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I've read the first couple of chapters, and she was walking through the desert, and I was like, I don't know what's happening. Yeah, she gets, like, stranded in the desert and robbed. Because that's our meet cute. <laughs> in not cute way, the guy finds her and saves her. Yeah, so, yeah. Not that cute. So, not what are you me. reading? It's got okay. awkward. What are you reading? So, I'm going to blow your mind. I only oh. read Binti. Oh, really? Yeah, because... I wanted to like own both of them, so I waited until the other one came <laughs> out, and then I had to like get my friend Amazon to send them to me, and then I read them like I read the second one like in one sitting because oh like, really oh, my God. Yeah, yeah seriously in one setting because I've been traveling and stuff, um, but I am looking forward to reading the new George Saunders book um, that comes out I think on the fourteenth, so I think I'm gonna get that and I think I'm gonna get a physical copy of. Um, of the poetry book we read last month or two yeah. weeks ago. There are more prettier things than Beyonce. Right. Um, but yeah, I've been I've been slacking in the reading department. Um, and you know what? I'm okay with that. I We need to be kinder to ourselves. I we mean. do. We do. Because no one else will be. Exactly. I've been reading a lot of tweets. <laughs> <laughs> I've been reading a lot of news. Like, and yeah. I always read the news. Because that's what I do. But, like, my news consumption has, like, Has doubled. really increased recently. Yeah. yeah, I've been reading a lot of, um, I've been reading a lot of BuzzFeed. <laughs> that list of lies. I have been, I was like, get a, oh, my God. Okay, here's one thing that I did read. Um, did you read their um, article about Taylor Swift? Yes, I did. <laughs> that thing was. I'm, I'm going to say it. I'm happy people are coming for Taylor Swift because I, she's been getting away with too much for too long. If you haven't read it, go read it. Like they came with receipts. I'll link it. In the they, had, they had, they <laughs> had like 
this girl had like a big chalkboard with like the yarn lines on it. She had dates. <laughs> she had clips. She she probably linked to an article every fifth yeah. word. Yeah. And that's not exaggerating. Like every she was like, they said this, but this couldn't be that date or that could like yeah, I was, was rolling. That she was hilarious. Basi- she basically argued that Taylor Swift used her like status of like pretty white woman mm-hmm. to forever play the victim at the expense of like men and specifically like Kanye West, men of color. And right. this all writer went for her. And I was like, yep. She and it was very interesting. Like she took this idea of um uh, white womanhood, white fragility that, mm-hmm. like you said, has traditionally been used to um, terrorize uh, black men. You know, all these lynchings, all these public beatings, Emmett Till that we saw recently with that bitch. Oh, um, God. Has oh, always I'm been sorry. to protect, protect uh, this idea of white womanhood. Um, and well, now we got that Snapchat. And Kim Kardashian was like... And Kim Kardashian was like, oh, sweetheart. And I don't <laughs> feel any kind of way about Kim Kardashian. I don't, I don't watch know. her show or anything like that. But I do... I respect the fact that she um, was filming it. Mm-hmm. And she hinted at it. And she released it on her show. Mm-hmm. Like, she was She didn't like, release it on her show. She They talked about it on the show. Oh, right. Because I don't watch it either. But I just remember when it happened. Because, like, the internet spontaneously blew up that day blew she talked up. about it on the show and then after it aired she released, released the, the recording on snapchat yeah like and she like, and then they're like oh well they didn't tell me i was filming and she was like oh girl just stop just stop but yeah so now now it's been used um for kanye which we all know and then all these other guys who i wasn't familiar with <laughs> oh all the yeah yeah all the other yeah, so that I guess I read that this week. Um, I really enjoyed that. I mean, that was a good. That was like a long form piece of journalism. Buzzfeed that was is out here. <laughs> Buzzfeed is out here in these streets. Like, <laughs> oh, you want to talk about Buzzfeed? We got the money from all these goddamn quizzes and sponsored <laughs> posts. We can hire Pulitzer Award winners. We yep. can dig in. They're five. selling those T-shirts. They're I selling the T-shirts. t-shirts. Um, you see, they took the quote. What did Trump say about them? Like the flaming, like a flaming the failing pile, pile of garbage, garbage or something. <laughs> Somebody tweeted, like, like, "We take much offense to that. We are a successful pile." Of garbage. <laughs> I was kind of not seeing it for BuzzFeed last year after that questions black people want to yeah. ask black, and that when they put that one girl in that <laughs> that beige foundation. Yeah, they they can be. And I still have some issues with BuzzFeed because they steal a lot of content. They do, which is not cool. They do. But um, I but, study um, them like a tutor, like a student in class, because right. that's basically what my job is. It's very interesting so. to see what they're doing. And I mean, you know, if they happen to do a post about like up and coming podcasts, um, you know, hosted by two fabulous young women yeah. reading literature, like your friends coming to like a book club and. We're here, We're here for it. We're here for it. That's when we've made it. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, alrighty. I think that's been a successful podcast. We talked Steven Universe. We talked Binti. And we somehow connected the two. I'm proud of us. I'm very proud. I see it. Like, when you laid it out, I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's been my last two weeks. 
Yeah, no, it's great. So as always, we want to hear from you. We're starting to get some great feedback from people. um, And we just love to hear what you guys are thinking. Um, We love that you're reading along with us. We love that you are sending us pictures of books and commenting on my mom's book layouts on Instagram. (laughs) She was really pleased. Just got to make a cup of tea to put next to her books. Um, So thank you so much for your support, guys. Um, Do you want to do the subscribe stuff now that we've thanked people? Yeah, I did want to. Do that church poll. Like, we're so (laughs) glad you're here and pass out the collection plate. Yes. I did want to say, like, you should be like Candice P at CCP. He on um, Twitter who tweeted us and said that one of the reasons she was reading the book was to follow along on our show to the fullest, which makes us really happy. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, you should totally subscribe to us on iTunes at um, Black Chitlet on iTunes. When you do that, it helps others find us. So subscribe, leave a review, leave a rating. It's all free and it helps us. Um, we have our website, blackchitlit.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at Black Chick Lit, and we are now on Instagram at BCL Podcast on Instagram. Yeah. So, yeah, so reach out, there. touch yeah. somebody, specifically us. It makes us super happy when we hear from y'all. <laughs> it does. We always, like, go back on the DM, and it's like, oh, my God, did you see this? <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh, someone likes us. Someone expected. <laughs> so thanks, guys. Thanks, guys, and we will see you in two weeks to read Kindred. Whoop, looking forward to it. Bye. Bye.